What? Oh, I, I forgot to plug. I, I put the headphones on my head, but I forgot to put it, plug the headphones in. Oh, I did that earlier. Yeah, okay, here we go. Punches game. Fuck, go in the hole. I've had to yell that a few times in my life. Right, I was talking about uh, penises, testicles and penis. Howdy y'all, welcome to Parkquisition, uh, I'm your host for the day, uh, Chicken Scratch O'Hulahan, I'm here with my familiar ranch hand, Conrad Joanne Gummich. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. I'm also here with the girl who uh, puts the lingerie on the animals, how are you Laura, Kate, Fields and Dales? Oh, howdy, howdy. Howdy, 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 howdy. Howdy, howdy. Now, uh, it never ceases to amaze me how you managed to design a brassiere for the cow's artists. I mean, you, you've really got to think about how to get one cup, but, like, space for four and for many nipples. Your innovations in farm animal lingerie has really helped me uh, milk the pigs. So to speak? So to speak. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's man-pig milk from home private reserves. <laughs> I'm not fucking any of the animals, if, 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 <laughs> if that's what you were wondering. It's all above board. I just like to have jars of uh, pig semen. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Uh, just, uh, just taking everyone on a little trip to Balboo's farm. I'm sort of optioning the idea to Peacock. Uh, as, as maybe a, a, a sitcom, situation mm, comedy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, obviously, the... Uh, the spin-off show uh, to The Office, uh, starring Dwight Schrute, The Farm, never made it. Uh, you know, that that was a terrible idea <laughs> in theory, in execution, and yet, I still kind of wish they'd gone forward with that. Oh, I'd have watched it. Yeah. I'd have watched it. But, you know, there's a gap in the market, Balboo's Farm. There we go. Gonna get right in there. We'll get a, a, a cameo from... Um, the actual man who milks the pigs, um, someone we all know very well. He's called Jonathan, mm -hmm, and he was mm -hmm. on Road Rules Northern Trail. And he can check the, the various animals and me um, for ass parasites, you know, brown crawlers and the like. My cat's got one of them right now. Uh, your cat's got a case of the brown crawlers. Well, a round worm. Yeah, yeah. Tater's, tater's got worms. Oh, no. You gotta give him another pill in, like, another week, I think. And, oh, but, no. But the, the, the mites in his ears are all gone, so making oh. progress. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. Um, it's good to get those out, because sometimes they um, uh, whisper commands to kill. Oh, yeah, no, it's not good. That's what Berkowitz actually had was ear mites mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like they were posing as his dog yeah it, it, it's what's going on every time that your cat's just staring into the middle distance at nothing mm -hmm. on uh, nothing particular but very intently it's because they're busy listening to the whispered instructions of the mites yeah mm -hmm. yeah right i've got two bits of actual business your business yeah uh, before we recorded i thought to myself I could start off with the big exciting um, news that means a ton to my uh, career and 
I'm really excited to share with everyone and is a huge deal and is really good to open the show with. Or I could insinuate, well, outright state that Laura designs lingerie for farm animals. Look, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I think so too. I think I made the right call. Yeah. Uh, I think I made the just call, the moral call, um, if we're going to argue from a philosophical standpoint. But I do have, A, some wonderful news I can't wait to share regarding my uh, career outside of games media. And I want to talk about some bullshitter, some utter weapon on Facebook who took great offence to my something something capitalism bad t-shirt. Oh. That's, it's amazing. People are so stupid. People who defend capitalism are so stupid. But anyway, uh, the big news is, and, and I've been sitting on this for a, a little while, like eager to, to share it, is Sovereign Pro Wrestling, uh, the Manchester-based promotion run by Shoddy Horror uh, that I debuted with uh, a little while ago, where I faced Kid Bandit and Simon Miller. Their next show is February 5th, and they are putting me in a triple threat match against Shreddy, uh, who's uh, legitimately like Mr. Britain. Um, like in the bodybuilding scene, which is already pretty cool. And Attitude Era, WWF legend Scotty Too Hotty. I don't expect every listener, of course, to understand what that is. But like, I grew up watching Scotty Too Hotty as part of the Too Cool tag team. And like, I fucking loved Too Cool. I was never a huge wrestling person, but I, I am aware of them from when my older brother used to watch wrestling, uh, and I was forbidden from watching, but would still kind of watch. I, like, I, I, I don't know much about wrestling. I, 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 I know them. Yeah. They were famous for uh, dancing, um, not always at appropriate times, like in the middle of a Royal Rumble. Scotty Too Hotty and Grandmaster Sexay uh, would dance with their friend Rikishi. I've, I've been studying gifts of Rikishi dancing just in case the dance breaks out and I've got a buster move. Uh, Scotty Too Hotty was also famous for doing the worm. He would uh, like do a bulldog to like knock someone to the ground, get very excited, hop on one leg four times while everyone in the crowd went W-O-R-M and then he'd do that belly worm movement thing and then just like hit them. <laughs> It was sh the actual <laughs> offense part. It was like the people's elbow, like it was shit, but the spectacle of it was amazing. So I'm going to be practicing that as well. Obviously, I'm going to have to practice uh, not just dancing, but the worm, because I'm going to bust out. Of course I am. Uh, so the, anyway, that is massive. I'm blown away by the opportunity that Sovereign has been giving me. A few months ago, a wrestling promoter told me that I didn't belong that I wasn't good enough a wrestler to even be on the same card as Shredding, on the same show as Scotty Too High. And now I'm in the same fucking match. I'm immensely proud of that. That's what you should be. Yeah, so if, if you can get to Manchester on February 5th, uh, their tickets are available at uh, sovereignprowrestling.com slash tickets. And that'll be for their next show, Heavy is the Head. Yeah, so very exciting. I navigated away from the Facebook page, but long-time viewers of the Jimquisition will know that one of our regular uh, catchphrases is something, something capitalism bad, which 
is true. It is. It's very true. Capitalism bad. Yeah. It's a bad thing. Yeah. And uh, because capitalism is a system we're all trapped in and have to abide by, we sell merch at thegymporium.com and we actually have a t-shirt of something something capitalism bad. I was feeling very cute today, so I took a photo of myself and I happened to be wearing it. So I thought I'd take that opportunity to, um, you know, draw attention to the shirt. And then Billy Nope on Facebook um, hit out with just like, you know, beautiful yet you participate in society (laughs) energy. Yeah. Then why are you using Facebook, if and YouTube, if you don't support capitalism? Doesn't make a lick of sense if you want to support communism. Just go work for free and use the government to provide a living situation for you. Seems logical. I mean, I mean yeah, it does if that existed, if that system were in place sure if you wish to not exist under capitalism simply exist under not capitalism yeah now in fairness to this person's argument which i do think is dog shit don't worry by the way he's got more comments oh good but but yes in fairness i i've started producing um a live stream called red planet um on twitch right uh, which Sophie from Mars and Kira Chats, DJ Mule, uh, Conquest of Dread, uh, talking about political issues. And the whole purpose of it is to get people more engaged in direct action. Mm-hmm. And they had some guests on this past week. Um, uh, one of them was the co-founder of the, um, was it the Clandestine Insurgent Rebel Clown Army. Mm-hmm. This was a, a group of uh, dissident protesters who uh, were, during the George W. Bush administration, were disrupting uh, events as clowns. And they have been, for the last, like, ten years, living um, in an occupied zone in France to prevent the building of an airport. And they are living their best fucking lives outside of capitalism on this commune. So, you are correct... But also very clearly not what Billy Nope was on about, which is just make just make the government give you a, a not capitalism. Right. They'll look after you. Make them look after you. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's just the classic fucking, you know, self-demonstration of that, that webcomic that goes around, you know, that we should yep. improve society somewhat and a bloke going, and yet you participate in it. Curious. Like, these people are so fucking blinkered and dumb that they don't understand that we have to abide by the system we're trapped in. I mean, I think a lot of it is, it speaks, I don't, I don't, I don't like to think that these people are dumb. I, I think that they lack imagination, right? They lack the capacity to imagine a world that isn't the one that they already live in. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's fair to say of, of certainly some of them. I mean, I, I just, I want to give these people the benefit of the doubt that they're not, like, monsters or, you know, something else. Because yeah. Yeah. otherwise I couldn't get up in the morning. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as Billy Nope says, I love capitalism. It gives me the ability to take care of my family and claim ownership of my own labor. It's easy to criticize and hate capitalism when you live in it, just as it's easy to criticize communism when you live in a capitalist society. But there's no dissent in China against communism because it's not allowed. Little emoji of a red circle with a line through it. Wait, I'm sorry. I, Huh? 
did that did that make sense? Was that grammatically cogent? No, it's all one sentence. Okay, because I got lost somewhere in there, and I now have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. I'm betting you got lost around the same point I did. The um, capitalism allows me to to claim the re- the the rewards of my fucking labor. Oh, I mean, uh, that was that was humorous, but but I think it was a little further on because he kept going on about. Uh, okay, fine, whatever. whatever. I'm halfway through the sentence. Oh, uh, nor are the citizens of China allowed to leave if they dislike their country. You, however, can if you so choose to. By all means, keep criticising it. I will keep praising it as I make 45k a year with a smile on my face and a family that loves me. I hope you guys find and put out love in this world. It certainly needs it. OBJ? Does he know that China's not communist? Does he know that? Uh, no. Oh. Well then. <laughs> kind of a problem. <laughs> Welcome to Pogquisition. We talk about video games here sometimes. Uh, who, who's, who's played one of them? Not Conrad. Conrad's played fucking nothing this week. I played no video game. Well, I played Fallout, but who cares? Well, I, I, I guess, I guess it's me and Steph to start with then. Yeah, well, we've played t- two games, uh, on the list we've both played. We've, yeah. Do you, do you, do you want to pick one to start with? Uh, yeah, um, I guess let's get, like, the, 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 the biggie out the way. I would argue that God of War Ragnarok is a, a sort of a bigger deal than Sonic Frontiers. I, I think so. Um, At this point, I have basically finished that game. Okay. Uh, I started it today. I'm, I've just gotten to the bit where you get on the boat. Okay, yeah, which yeah. Which, very much like the first game, is where it really sort of shines, is when you're just on the boat going to little optional areas. So, like, two to three hours in, maybe. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So far, it's more God of War. Yeah. Uh, from a gameplay standpoint, I'm fine with that. Yep. Like, no real complaints there, although... The bosses I've fought so far move so fast and differentiating between the yellow circles and the red circles for you can parry this and you have to dodge this. Like, sometimes I'm just a little overwhelmed. But it's it's fine. Uh, the combat is still really sort of... Uh, overall, uh, the combat is still really tight and, and well-produced, very, very tactile uh, in terms of how it feels. I'm liking the story so far. Yeah. The the performances, like, they, they've got really good voice actors. Mm. I really like Thor. Thor's great. Looks good, despite all the complaints from gamers about, like, gamers TM about him being too fat. Like, no, he's, like, that's proper, like, like strong man size. Yeah, that's deadlift bodybuilder build. Yeah. He looks fucking awesome. I also really like Odin. Yes. Like the one scene I've seen in, seen him in is this sort of like shifty sort of wheeler dealer type of guy. Like I like that. And can I say I really really like the scene that Odin and Thor are introduced in? Yeah. I think it's a really fun energy for this version of Kratos and like I have so many thoughts about that scene and the way that it's acted and framed and like little things are delivered in it. It's really good. Yeah, here's what I'll say about where you're at right now. The opening, I'd say, probably four hours of this game is very, this is more 2018 God of War. And that's not a bad thing. 2018 God of War is a very good game. This is more of it. About four hours in, you are going to hit a point that is very obvious and you'll go, oh, we're doing this. 
And that's the point where the game starts opening up mechanically and narratively to be more than here is the continued adventures of Kratos hits things with a big axe and also his son is there. Yeah. Now now that the game's like out, I feel like I can talk a bit more openly and like I'm going to stay very spoiler light here, but I think it's fair to say what I think God of War Ragnarok does better than anything else um, as a follow up to the 2018 game is it really presents a vision that this series could be more than just Kratos continues to go fight gods. And that is that is happening over and over. It opens up this world to other kinds of stories and other kinds of mechanics that I'm interested by. Mm-hmm. And I also think like what I appreciate about this and the last game over the original games is the original games the the gods weren't didn't really have much of an original spin to them they were sort of just for the most part just i am god i you know i am a greek god i am somewhat antagonistic or aloof yes whereas with this game with uh, ragnarok and the one and the predecessor the t- the various takes on the norse gods are a lot more original. Yes. And I think more than anything, like, Ragnarok really, as as you get further in, really excels at that, at giving you a lot of time to get to know antagonists in a way that makes them a lot better rounded out. There is a lot of getting to see various characters outside of just, it's time for me to fight you now. Yeah. And I very much appreciate that added. There's a lot more added context to the world in this. You get to see a lot more day-to-day life of people who aren't the gods in this world peppered through. And I I think that really helps a lot of regards. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. Um, like, tonally and, and creatively, like, this game is... It's hitting the right notes for me. Mm. Hitting the right notes. The other thing I didn't really talk about last week with it that I, I want to give some some attention to is... And I know that the 2018 God of War did this to a degree, but I think that Ragnarok has really excelled at it, is the side quest content in this game feels as big budget and important and uh, dedicated to as the main story content. I have found a lot of side quests in this game that are fully voice acted with like regular dialogue throughout the side quest with original assets, like locations that don't feel like copy paste from uh, other ones you've seen that tie into other side quests around the world. While doing side quests, I never felt like I was doing content that was lesser than following the main progression path. And that has been really nice. Yeah. Like, they've put a lot of work into making sure that if you decide to go to a side quest, it's going to feel as important as main content. And that has really bolstered my overall opinion of the of, of my time with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no disagreement from me on any of that. It's fucking quality so far. Yeah. I was curious as to how much... Because the, the last game was such a, a dramatic change... Hmm. tonally and mechanically in many ways from the original series. Uh, I was curious as to how much of the shine 
would not be on this one from like like me feeling like I've seen it all before. And and it's, you know, it's not quite the revelation the last one was because I have I I'm familiar with the the game's tone and mechanics now, but it is it's really strong. It it's still really strong. What what I will say again though is where you are at right now, I understand feeling that way. I think that give it a few more hours and you're going to hit a point where it is going to start going it it's going to start capturing some of that I haven't seen this before. And I think it 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 doesn't outstay its welcome being more more 2018 God of War before it gets on with other things. Yeah, I think I think that game gets better the the further you go in it. It it starts pretty good and it just it goes from strength to strength, I think. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to uh playing more of it. Yeah. I I am really really happy with it. Excellent. Should we should we talk about the other thing we've both played this week? Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there oh, this one. This one is interesting. <laughs> I I am so ready to talk about this fucking this this fucking mess. Sonic Frontiers, a game that decided long before it had any ideas to justify it that it was going to be an open world game, and has clearly like preoccupied itself with trying to validate that presumptuous decision. I started playing this game thinking, this ain't too bad. This is uh. This is I'm enjoying the the sort of environmental puzzling. It's kind of laid back and chill. I fought the first main boss last night. Oh, okay, yeah, that that boss fight's fucking the mm. finger breaking, migraine inducing, confusing, visually confusing, borderline incomprehensible fucking mess. What if Dragon Ball Z, but you had to button mash and there was an impossibly short timer? Yeah, and and the camera can't keep up with it, and <laughs> and Sonic keeps like losing track of the targeting. What's the parry timing for this giant fist? Yeah, it it's. <laughs> I mean, to its credit, there's no timing on parrying, probably because they realise that the game is so fucking incomprehensible yeah. that it wouldn't be fair at all. It's a mess. There is something to be said or just wandering around, going on loop-de-loops and stuff without any real pressure. There is something to be said for that. I'm not having too bad a time with that, but all too often I am exasperated by how easily confused this game gets by itself. I was fighting a, a, a sort of sub-boss, sort of a fish that goes in the sand, yeah. and you have to lock onto its tail and, and sort of, you know, home in on it with a lock-on attack. Oh, yes. The one where you've got to, like, um, be uh, hook-shotted on the, the tail of it and get dragged around. Hook-shot on the not... tail and then do a shitty QTE. I, yeah. <laughs> the fish, jumped up in the air. Yeah. Now was my time to shine. And... The fishtail was highlighted, I pressed the lock-on attack button, and Sonic leapt behind himself to grab uh, <laughs> something else that it locked onto at the last second. Because this game's homing jump and attack buttons are the same fucking button, and 
at times it makes me if if there's a like a platforming section that's taken me ages to get to because the camera is terrible at showing me where to jump and Sonic's physics as usual are not designed for uh, finicky platforming and I'm terrified to fall off the fucking ledge of wherever I finally ended up uh, and there are springs that are gonna like like catapult me off of my hard fought destination and something to hit i like i have to be so fucking careful to not accidentally uh, uh send sonic uh, uh homing in on the fucking springs so everything you've said is true i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say something and and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to just go with me for a second this game is absolutely fucking terrible in every single regard and i'm having a great time with it I'm having a great time in in spite of everything about it. I'm not having a good time because of any individual element. Yeah. It is exactly the kind of dopamine factory my brain is currently craving, despite being a terribly made, janky game with zero idea of what it wants to be, <laughs> ambitions way above its ability to actually execute them. Like, the the best way I can try and explain this game to people who haven't played it is... To try and compare and contrast it to, like, the comparison I think everyone kind of makes to it, which is, like, if you think about something like Breath of the Wild, strip out all context and pretense that this is a world that people would live in. Just strip out all of that. Replace Korok seeds that were these things that you stumbled upon and they were kind of rewarding because you found them completely by accident. Replace them with Korok, uh, with with little, similar little challenges, but they're highlighted by fucking holograms that go, hey, there's a Korok seed thing here, come look, work it out. Yeah. Shadow of the Colossus bosses that some of oh them- Oh my god. Look, Ugh. any of them that require you to run up the legs of the boss are broken as hell and are not well designed, but when they work, they do feel really fucking cool. <laughs> I've been pressing the share button on my controller to yeah. get clips of like whenever like I've got to run up the side of, yeah. of a big robot. And you've got to run through the little boosts. And the little boost. <laughs> yeah. And Sonic will just suddenly like fall. Fly off. Yeah. He'll just fly off to the right. Yeah. Like and zoom away. Or the camera will just sort of like spin round wildly and I'll lose my sense of direction. Or the other one he does where like you go up the limb and then he just shoots. Three miles up into the fucking sky. Yeah. So, all of all of this is true. Replace uh, shrine puzzles with classic Sonic levels. I'll say for those, they're fairly short Sonic levels with objectives to do, and they're quick to retry if you didn't do all the objectives. I kind of like them, and they're fine. They're yeah. they're not too bad. There's a couple because it's a Sonic game, and they're incapable of doing a Sonic game without at least a few levels that make me fucking scream. Oh, yeah, no. There was one I played last night, like, set in, like, a city thing, and it was so stupidly laid out. But, for the most part, the traditional Sonic levels are short and generally sweet. The dialogue is fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. In that so many of the cutscenes boil down to... I'm going to have a very serious conversation. Sonic, we need to understand how you're able to hop in and out of these worlds. The fate of existence relies on it. How are you doing this? And Sonic just being like, I don't know. I guess I'm really cool. See you later. Chilly dog. He is not engaging with the plot at all. And no. it's so dissonant. I can't help but kind of enjoy it. His voice is weird. Yeah. Because it's 
deeper than usual and it makes him sound like regular like the old sonic voice is just drunk uh it throws me off i also like that like you talk about dialogue uh the first map the first area <laughs> yes why is the entire quest line just finding amy a dozen times oh yeah to have a short cutscene, then fucking off oh, no 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 you forget you've got to bring her heart memory hearts and then she'll tell you like five more words and then she'll bugger off again. This has confused me as well. Yeah. Because I've collected a bunch of hearts to unlock cutscenes with Amy. Yeah. I've collected a bunch of keys to unlock traditional Sonic levels. Yeah. But every time I go to either a door for a level or go to Amy, it says items required zero. And it's always zero. As if I don't need them. I, I can tell you what, what, it, what it means if that's happened. Or at least my, my best guess is oh, that... Oh, is it saying that I don't need any more? You went and did enough stuff in the world that you already have enough to trigger this. God, that, see, that was confusing because I'm so used to games telling me, like, if I've amassed, like, half a dozen keys and this one only needs three keys, I'm used to it telling me I need three keys so that I know that it's three out of the 16 I've already got. Not that I don't need any more. I had a similarly confusing moment where I, Amy was telling me she needed uh, seven uh, seven memory hearts and I had nine in my pocket and I couldn't work out why it wouldn't work. And I was like, oh, I need seven more, I guess. It's fucking stupid. But like, here's the thing. Like, it's all, it's all bullshit. It's all, it's a bad game. But when I'm in there running around, letting my, my fucking ADHD latch onto any sparkly thing I see in the distance and suddenly I'm flying off rails and doing loops and running up walls and bouncing around and I got coins and mm -hmm. uh, I picked up a thing and it sparkled and told me I did good. I'm having a good time with this bad game. Yeah, I fully understand that. Like, I'm, I'm not feeling exactly the same way, but it's one of those games where I... Obviously, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, but I completely understand why someone would love it in spite of that. It's it's one of the those things where I'm like, I can acknowledge it is a bad game. I wouldn't recommend it to people. But I'm having more fun with it than I have with a 3D Sonic game in a while. It's better than Sonic Colors. It's it's one of those Sonic games, and we've talked about th this before. Like, this is one of those Sonic games where I genuinely look at this and go, if you were to make a sequel, yeah. rather than throwing this concept in the fucking bin the second that it isn't received amazingly. I'm thinking of doing the next Jimquisition on that. Like, yeah. Because I've, I've pointed it out before as well. They never stick to the program and refine an idea. Like, we, we've had this before. Like, what was the one that was like the Mario Galaxy-esque one? Sonic uh, Lost, Lost, Lost World. World. Like, that, that's a great yeah. example of one that was like, yeah, it had its problems, but it was a really promising idea. Yeah, a lot of people think that game, a lot of people say that game's shit. A lot of people no. hated Lost World. I liked it. I yeah. reviewed it back in the day, and I said as far back then, I said, if they do another one of these, they can get it good. This is what I want to be clear about with Frontiers. I think that there is genuinely like a, a, a fun concept here. And I think that if they don't just throw it away and they take on board feedback and they actually, you know, work on polishing it, you know, polishing the idea, you could have a, a good game here. Yeah. But I don't have faith. I don't have faith that they won't just reinvent the wheel again. I have zero faith in them. Like, particularly with, like, a big, like, a big open thing like this that, that yeah. you know, I, I don't see them giving it another go if it doesn't get good reviews out the gate. But, like, 
it's prom it's it's got promise. Here's the thing on that. It depends how expensive this actually was to make. Because I've seen allegations and I've 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 still got to look into it. So I'm not gonna present this as something I necessarily believe yet. But there is a video um that I was made aware of uh where someone basically uh points out that allegedly uh, a lot of the open world is made up of Unreal Engine assets. I've seen the allegations. I don't know how true or not they are. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they turned out to be true. That's my stance, is I'm not going to say it's true, but it looks like it. That's the thing. Whether it's true or not, it looks like it's cobbled together from pre-built assets. I wouldn't be surprised if it were true, other than if it's true... I really would have thought that they'd have made the bespoke stuff like running up the the boss fight legs polished because they'd have had the ability to do that. You'd think so. Because they had nothing else they would need to be working on, you'd think. You'd think so. But then, like, a lot of of the problems this game has are problems the games have always had. Like Sonic's physics that are just sort of messy the camera that can't keep up with the speed of it that the fact that i don't trust that sonic won't fall off something or fly off something uh this game the sonic series has not fostered that kind of trust in it in me in in a long time so yeah like you'd think they'd work on polishing that but they've had decades now to to fix some of this shit um but what i will say with regards to like it doesn't matter Hmm. ultimately um for the purposes of discussing the game's lack of artistic cohesion it doesn't matter whether they're using unreal assets or not um insofar as it just fucking looks like it sonic doesn't look like he belongs in this world and i think the whole idea that like the levels take place in cyberspace and shit. I think that is like narrative wallpaper over the lack of artistic cohesion. So they can turn around and say, ah, but Sonic's not meant to look like he belongs in this world because he doesn't. Fuck off with that. He looks wrong. And all of it looks wrong because you've got this, for want of a better word, quote unquote, realistic terrain that's kind of drab. Like, brown deserts and just grassy cliffs with nothing really going on in them nothing in terms of of like life like it feeling vibrant or like a living breathing world it's populated by like two npcs and these little like rip-offs of the kakairi from uh wind waker and all the enemies are like Robots that look like they're from the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Um, so they're already lacking in sort of, of um, personality. But they look like they don't belong in this world. Sonic looks like cartoon Sonic. So that's completely visually dissonant with the game's terrain. And then you've got things like the cartoony springs and the traditional Sonic grind rails and the, the speed up, the boost pads. And it looks like they were just thrown in willy-nilly. Like, you've just got grind rails floating in the air for no reason that don't look like they belong. It's a complete, like, visual uh, uh, soup. None of it has any cohesion whatsoever. And I've kind of been having fun. And I, 
it is what it is. Oh, I'm not like putting anyone on trial for liking it. I'm 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 not accusing you of doing so. Like that, I'm just summarizing my opinion, which is every every aspect of it is bad, and I kind of keep I I just kind of keep playing it. Yeah, and like I'm I'm sorry. Like I could talk about this. I might play it for my live stream tonight. I was trying to decide whether I want to have fun and play God of War on my stream or talk or play this but like i've got so much to say about this yeah i've been having the same question mark i was like i've been i had been planning to stream um vampire survivors uh, on stream and try out the the twitch integration stuff mm -hmm. um but i was like i will do that i might stream sonic sonic frontiers tonight because i just want to talk about this weird game because i also want to point out that like as as in as fucking infuriating as this game is <sighs> and as much as i've just been yelling to sonic like just just land on the fucking platform you fucking prat i never call people or things prats this game's got me using the word prat and pillock um because that's just the contempt i have for sonic those are the politically correct words i'm using for him anyway oh i forgot i have to talk about a thing that really annoyed me and you started with it but i need to go into specifics on it that fucking yeah. bo that fucking boss fight the oh you got all the chaos emeralds you're supersonic you're oh, going to go to the boss fight so the the gimmick is that you have un you can't take damage you are invincible but your ring counter is constantly running down and when it runs out you you, you die so you got to you got to be quick to, to beat the boss problem is if you lose the boss fight because you're you're not warned in advance, go in with ma with max rings. You need like hundreds of rings. Yeah, the the lack of warning is such a fuck you. Why doesn't when you're supersonic? Why doesn't it max out your rings for you? Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't warn you you're going to like you're going to enter a boss fight where you need like maxed out rings so that you have a, a time to do the fight. So you're probably going to lose your first attempt. Then it respawns you. With regardless of how many you went in with, it starts you with fifty coins on a restart. So I had to go spend like the first like three minutes of the boss fight running around in circles on the floor, finding and generating coins yeah. to have full coins before I could even start the fight. Like three or four minutes before the fight even started was me just running around on the floor going, Okay, let's get rings, let's get rings, let's get some rings. Okay, now I can fight it. That's how you get guaranteed rings in this game, is their siloop thing where you basically draw a circle as you run round and then if you do that you can activate certain things or like like weaken certain enemies by running round them and that's kind of cool but like having to grind to do it for rings is such a chore i mean i appreciate that you can get rings that way um i don't appreciate ha having fights that expect you to do that a bunch of times to get them yes and the thing is there is like if you can just do that without challenge you can just max out your rings make it quicker because uh, uh it, it's not making it more difficult it's just making it boring have something like do a figure of eight and that maxes out your rings it's slightly more complicated like than the that. circle but it gives you a bunch more so like uh if, you, if you're not rushed for time there you go you got all your rings yeah some shit like that something like that um i've got more to say oh yeah go <laughs> um, ahead because yeah. i was i was on a track uh before i ended up talking about how infuriating the game is again but as infuriating as the game is i do have positives to say i don't love it like you but i understand what you're liking because i'm liking those elements too i want to be clear i'm not loving it i'm having a good time with it i don't 
I don't. Okay, yeah, I, important I, distinction. Yeah, I like very specifically. Like, I am frustrated by all of these things too, and I have a very love hate relationship with it. I'm having a great time. Yes, not loving it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you on a lower tier of 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 feeling. Yeah, I feel like we 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 fundamentally fe- have the same thoughts, even if where we've landed emotionally is a little different. Yeah, like like. When it's working, yeah. when I'm not yelling at it, getting around the world is pretty fun. And solving like the environmental puzzles, um, mostly the stuff where you're just sort of like navigating various grind rails and various jumps through loops and things to get to, you know, random shit that's just floating in the sky. Mm. I like that. I even like some of the puzzles, even though... It dawned on me after about an hour that half the game is radio towers. Like oh, they're just oh God, different yeah. versions of of an Ubisoft games like radio tower obsession. Like all you're doing is is the same few tasks over and over again to open up the map, reveal the map. It is an awful lot of here's some flames, run around them so they're put out. Here's a circular treadmill, run on it really fast. Run up that big, that big tall tower and get to the top. It is a lot of that. It is a lot of that. But some of them can be fun. Yeah. Um. There's too much of it. I hate that. Like when you complete it, you then just got to sit through a laborious mm. cutscene of the map opening up and revealing a bit of the map. I'm like, let me skip that shit. I'm having to do this so many times. Some of the original the original ones are kind of fun. Like, there's a couple I remember from that first world where it's like, uh, those little Korok knockoffs where it's like, hey, I had to shepherd a bunch of them towards a goal and, oh, there were bombs. I had oh, to- I hated that. Oh, I liked that one. I liked the one where you had to, you had to cut all the grass with your side loops. Some of oh, those, I was like, you're, you're doing- I hate those, the Amy <laughs> minigames. I hate them. Were you not enjoying the Amy minigames? I was not. Well. <laughs> oh, I was not. There's, yeah, I'm sure there's more. I mean, there are there are some in there that are not just the same thing you've done a bunch of times. Another thing I do want to sort of give the game credit for is one of my issues with uh, other Sonic games is because it's so obsessively focused on speed, which I always thought was was a misconception of of or a misinterpretation of the original games. Um, I've always argued that 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 the fans who are like this game isn't fast enough, like yeah must be younger fans that don't really appreciate the originals um not to sound too smug and smarmy about it but like that's not my experience when i play the old sonic games it was never about Mm. going fast that was a reward uh for certain sections but it wasn't the point of the game yeah if you were skilled enough that you could you know create a flow state through a level or if you had firm enough memory of where everything was going to be and what your timing was, then sure, then it was very fast. But that was what you got for good play. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, one of the ways in which gameplay suffered as a result of this obsession with speed was combat was so trivial Mm. because it wanted to be done... I don't even know why it was there in so many of these games because combat consists of treating robots the same way you treat balloons in these games. Yeah, it's fucking homing bounce. It's just homing bounce, homing bounce, homing bounce. Home in, home in, home in to travel along a thing. And it's like, 
the enemies might as well just be more of the balloons. Yeah. And I never found that too satisfying. Mm. So one thing this game does, there are some, there are quite a few enemies like that. Yeah. Only more annoying because they surround you because in the open world, it's not like the, the linear mm. racetrack. So there'll be enemies from off camera. Uh, you're homing in on a bunch of them. Then you'll get hit from off camera by the fucky you can't home in on because he's not on screen. But anyway, um, um, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked from praise to complain again. I do like that quite a few of the enemies actually have health and you actually have something approaching a combat system. It's still relatively simple. There's still like, the, the basics of it is locking on, homing in, and bashing a button. But certain enemies have tactics, uh, and, and you have a suite of offensive moves that you can sort of unlock as you play. Like, um, like it, it makes the game kind of brainless, but it's kind of, of an audiovisual satisfaction to do the one where you start hitting an enemy and then midway through your combo you just hold a trigger button mm. and sonic jumps back and just does like chun lee's like like thousand fucking like foot kick uh just sending like like kicking shock waves rapid fire there's something very satisfying about that um and then there are some sort of clever encounters uh like the enemies that are big springs that bounce and try and crush you and then they stop just long enough for you to bounce on top of it spring up and then do a ground pound to finish them off that's neat yeah i like that they've expanded the combat system and oh it it works for the smaller enemies anything that's large scale is a pain in the fucking ass but for the smaller enemies and stuff it's actually kind of cool and i like that combat isn't trivial the other thing I, I like is I like that the uh, going at speed is is on a toggle. It's a button, so it's not like the default. But I like that in the open world, cool. It is good for crossing crossing distances, getting around. In in those like individual little levels, because they're so short and isolated, and you can just retry the one level. If there's a level that's got an objective to do it to do it fast, you can do it not at speed. Get the other collectibles, learn your route, then jump back in and do it quick. And I'm like, cool, yeah, that is that is good execution of having the ability to go fast in a Sonic game. Yeah. One other criticism is, like, the game gives you a lot to do, like, control-wise. And I keep forgetting, like, the first time I fought the big first main boss... I did not know how to avoid its big swinging punch because dodging oh. did nothing. And then I remembered, oh yeah, there's a parry button. Yes. You just hold two, the two um, bumpers and he blocks and then will automatically parry. And I'm like, oh yeah, there is that. There's not a lot of enemies that required you to use it prior to that. Yes, it's very easy to forget things. Yeah, I think the only other time I used it prior to that was that uh, boss fight on the sort of, like, robot snake that flies through the sky, and you're running oh, on the trail. Oh, fucking thing. When, when I eventually caught up with it, I used the parry to not miss my opportunity to fucking deal all the damage once I caught it. I did not know how to fight that thing, because visually Eesh. I looked at it and was like, okay, it's got a big, uh, glowy path flowing behind it. I jump on the path, and run to its head, which is how you fight it. Yeah. But so many times I tried to jump on that path and jumped through it 
that I thought I was getting it wrong. I'd actually gotten it right. The game was getting it wrong. And eventually I worked it out because I, I had to work it out because I got so sick of it interrupting me when I was trying to explore things. And I didn't know that when uh, uh, the that big uh, floaty manta ray fucker um, had spotted you and the music changed, you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't interact with anything. So I spent ages on a particularly annoying platforming section where it was really easy to fall and lose all your progress and have to start again. And I did it, and I did it. I was banging my head against the brick wall and finally made my way to it. And it was, um, I think it was like a, a Chaos Emerald or something. And I couldn't get it, and I didn't know why. I couldn't get it after fighting my whole way there. And it was because that big robot had seen me and that took over all the other mechanics. And I did not know that. And I was so fucking confused. <sighs> and, oh, God, this game, there really is something to it. But the ultimate problem with this game is they wanted an open world Sonic game but didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know. I am deeply fascinated by whatever process led to this game existing in the form it does. Like, it reeks of, and I've seen games, like Anthem, um, to draw a, a, an yeah. unusual distinction um, or, or example. Uh, Anthem, we all know how that game was developed now. And it started with Bioware Bigwig saying, we want a live service. They didn't have an idea for what the game was. They At least Sonic's got that over Anthem in that they at least knew it would be a fucking Sonic game. But Bioware started from, like, their starting position was, live service and then they had to contrive a game around it and it was it showed sonic frontiers reeks of a game in which the developers started with open world sonic and then had to contrive a whole bunch of ideas to justify it and didn't do a great job yeah anyway we're, we're nearly an hour in god we talked so much about that we did should we should we crack through a couple of other games because we got i know we got a couple mm -hmm. of other ones to, to rattle through I, yeah. I can get through this one in like a couple of minutes um okay i finished new tales from the borderlands yeah never have i ever experienced a game where i have so wildly swung back and forth between thinking it is amazing and fucking terrible and I think I can summarize why that is pretty succinctly. I think that generally the characters are fantastically written. I really enjoyed their story. I was very emotionally invested in the fate of these lovable idiots trying to stop capitalism from inventing a gun that can kill you and then bring you back to life to kill you again until you're subservient. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a neat concept. You've got lovable, endearing characters I wanna I wanna follow along with. The problems I can't overlook largely stem from the final episode. And it largely stems from the game throwing its own rules out the window in ways that are far too frustrating for me to look past. Yeah. This entire series of episodes, this narrative adventure, centers on a single MacGuffin with very clear powers. It is a glowy rock from space that can heal things, and its healing powers are basically unlimited. You can literally bring people back from the dead, you can get people to regrow missing limbs as they're bleeding out, 
you can bring people back to the dead who've been shot in the head. Hmm. Like, literally no amount of healing that this thing cannot do. And generally through the story, they have really interesting applications and uses, and like they, they use it as a very effective MacGuffin. The problem being, there is one scene in the final episode where that MacGuffin d- doesn't work, and it's never explained why, because they want a character to die, and so they ignore the fact that the, the crystal that can literally bring you back to life if you've been shot through the head and your brain's been exploded can still bring you back to life. It just doesn't f- this one time. And that's particularly galling, considering it is a sapphic queer character, a queer female character, who has... They've just made a big deal of bringing back into the narrative in a really nice, really well thought through way. It was a really big surprise. It was really wonderful. And then they just fucking kill her off. And for no justifiable reason, the MacGuffin doesn't work this time, I guess. But uh, bye. And that's really, that really fucked me off. Yeah. And then secondly, so this game's ending system is bad when it functions as it's meant to but also is buggy and doesn't function how it's meant to. So let me tell you first about uh, the experience I had. The endings you get in New Tales from the Borderlands are not based on cumulative choices you made throughout your adventure. They are not made by individual choices putting you on a path towards an ending. All of your choices you make are quietly ranked in the background as are they making you better or worse friends with some other character in the party? And it's not, did you do badly at one set of relationships? Is is one of the sets of relationships out of balance with the others? So y- maybe you made everyone in the party great friends with each other, but like those two characters are particularly great friends. You're going to get punished for that because that's seen as you leaving the other characters behind, even if you, you know, did really well with them. Yeah. So like... It's a poorly explained system and not a great one when it functions, but I got the thresholds that should have given me the game's neutral ending. What I got was the game's bad ending for no discernible reason. So what happened for me was all three of my main characters were in a life or death situation. Ah, ah, we're all going to die. There's no way we're going to get out of this one. The game faded to black and without explaining in any way, shape or form what happened... We then cut to, oh, those two characters survived that situation. That one's dead. They died off screen. We're not going to explain how they died. We're not going to explain how those two survived. We we, we we did some numbers. The result didn't turn out right because there was a bug with the game. We decided they lived and, and they died off screen. Uh-huh. It's so unsatisfying. It is so unsatisfying to be in this like climactic big situation and then just fade to black. Oh, I guess they're alive and they're dead and we're not going to address how or why. Because no no actual things you chose to do in that last situation mattered. They can't go, oh, because you did this, you survived. And because you did that, you, di- you died. No, there's no rhyme or reason to it. They looked at a number and went, I, we need to contrive that they lived and they died. And like, those two things really fucking put me off this game. It really soured my last, last impression. Yeah. Which is such a shame. Because all the way throughout it, I thought it was funny. I thought it was sweet. It was... Uh, progressive in a lot of aspects it was well acted i was really invested in these characters and 
it just really fucking shat the bed at the end. That's a shame. That's not... in in like just a couple of ways, and it was only like the last like forty five minutes. The last forty five minutes did like two or three things that just really left me walking away, going, "Oh, that's that's really disappointing." That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steph? What else have you played? Uh, right. Uh, I'm gonna try and keep this brief. <laughs> it's imagine everything I have to say. I had to say about Sonic Frontiers, but all of it negative and so much more exhaustive. Uh, I'm not gonna go into that much detail. But if you've been watching my last couple of live streams, you'll know I've been playing a game called The Last Oricru. Uh, which, in my opinion, is the worst Souls-like ever made. Certainly the worst one I've ever played. It's not the worst game I've ever played. I'll say it... Intellectually, I know it's not the worst game I've ever played, but when I'm playing it, emotionally, I feel like it's the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> it is a shit fucking Souls-like. Glitchy as hell, like, constantly, like, doing things like falling through the floor... None of the torches in the game have any textures for fire effects, so they're all just, like, squares. All the torches just have, like, plumes of squares coming out of them. The combat system is a fucking joke. Uh, let me explain how magic works. Uh, if you try and build a magic character as I started, uh, you soon find out that you don't really get spells. You have the same equipment slots as someone who's doing a more melee-oriented character, and those are the only choices, straightforward melee or magic. Because the enemy AI has no actual aggro, it just has a radius of when it activates and starts mindlessly attacking in your direction. There's no such thing as stealth or anything. Uh, they've got eyes in the back of their head, and they see you from like halfway across a city. So there's there's really only... Do you want to hit it with with swords or axes that use the same animation as the swords? Because, of course. Uh, or do you want to fling things from far away with magic? I opted for flinging before I realised how untenable it was and started the game from scratch. So, like I said, you've only got these equipment slots. You have two slots for weapons, two slots for shields or spells or something I'll talk about in a minute. So what this means is you can have a staff or two staffs in your right hand, or choose between having a shield or a spell or, like, two spells. They are orbs that you equip in your shield slot. And the problem with that is, well, that's already a problem, but what makes it worse is you're only ever going to really have one spell equipped, because the other shield slot, and Christ, it's a shield slot. But as a mage, you have to put a certain melee weapon in one of those slots, in a slot you could put a spell in. Because mana doesn't regenerate. There are no such thing as mana potions. The only way to get your magic meter refilled is to stop Firing your staff, because your staff uses up mana and stamina. You've got to stop using your spells and use a melee weapon to hit enemies. And that's how you regain your mana. Mm -hmm. Now bear in mind, 
magic is predominantly around ranged attacks. And ideally, you wouldn't be putting too much into stamina and health and stuff like that. Yeah, you'd be a squishy person at a distance picking people off, never getting close, you know? The Mana Drainer weapon is the shortest range weapon in the game. So you ha- you've got to take your uh, ideally ranged character into a range that's shorter than a melee build in order to get magic back. And you've got to do this with a weapon that's in your fucking shield slash spell slot. And it's a good idea to have a shield and a backup weapon for when you can't, you know, necessarily do that. So my magic build, my entire suite of spells was a staff that shot fireballs because I had a shield that I could use to heal myself. It had a heal spell on it. So I had a shield I could heal with that took off a lot of mana. And then I couldn't have a spell in the other slot because I had to put a weapon in it rather than hold it in my weapon hand. <laughs> and I could go into more detail on that, but suffice to say, it's... it's and, and I had the community manager of this game in my Twitch chat trying to justify this shit. But I told them straight, like, your game has the stupidest magic system I've ever seen in a game. The outright stupidest. And then we get to melee attacks, which you can't judge the distance accurately with your attacks. The game's combat rules are for you, not for the game. For example, shields. If you block, you will take some damage. Additionally, every enemy above the most basic mook has a moveset that's 50% made up of attacks that just ignore your shield. They don't break your shield. They just deal full damage. And you keep your shield up. Enemies, after a combo, can instantly snap their shield back up and can also do that while you attack them because they can just ignore staggering. The game's mechanics are weighted in favour of the enemies. Hmm. To an extreme degree. If you try and dodge, which eventually I realised shields were a trap, so I got a two-handed weapon and relied on dodging as much as I could, which turned a lot of combat into hit once, jump back, hit once, jump back. Not very fun. Until I got further into the game, hours and hours later to where I could finally stagger them to some degree. Didn't stop them from, like, blocking whenever they wanted. But I got a bit better. And then combat became a case of, can I hit them first before they hit me? So yeah, they abide by no rules. Anything with a shield is a fucking nightmare. Dodging, I can't trust because half the time it will dodge you out of range or it's so finicky it can dodge you into their attacks. And there are no iframes. There's no invincibility frames here. And here's how fucked up it is. The only place where they gave a fuck about balancing combat was the bosses who do have better telegraphed attacks who do, unlike the regular enemies, who will just aggressively, like, like just swing at you non-stop, the bosses, because they gave a fuck about balance, have some openings for you to attack them. Consequently, <laughs> the game's bosses are unilaterally the easiest enemies in the game. The easiest. 
it is so ass backwards. And yeah, combat has no weight to it. The sound effects are shit. The the level design is insipid. There's so much more, but I realize I've been banging on for a long time and I don't want to take up like any more time than I have to. But that's just a taste of it. That's just a taste of how bad it is. Nothing works quite right. That's before we get to the protagonist. Who sounds like this? He sounds like if Danger Mouse was a bitch. He sounds like he he went to private school and is now uh, uh, lobbying for the Conservative Party. Like, he's so posh. And the game thinks it's funny. It thinks he's funny. It thinks it's two rap puns are funny. Because the game has, like, a couple of factions. This evil racist empire and the undertrodden rat people, the ratkin. And they have two jokes. When they rise up, they have the ratvolution. And instead of calling each other brothers, they call each other... God forgive me. Bratthers. Bratthers. I told that to Phoenix, who in five seconds flat said... Comrat was right there. I was, I'm sorry, I was muted. I have been yelling comrades since before. <laughs> oh my god. I, 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 I didn't yell it because I'm, I'm just in stunned silence. Like, it was so obvious I was yelling it out of disdain for how bad it was. I fit over half a dozen milk puns into one paragraph of the Vampire Survivor's bestiary, not to put myself over. They came up with two rat puns. You did really milk that. I really did. Um, It was utterly shameless. But they came up with two rat puns. Both terrible. Rats all they did. And it is stunning. And, And like I said, this game thinks it's so fucking funny. And it thinks its protagonist is like a, a snarky wisecracker. I'm sorry. Did you say rats all they did? Like, did you slip? Yes, okay. I wanted to make sure I caught and observed and pointed out the pun that you... Oh, my God. Thank you. People need to hire us to write puns. Right? Uh, I mean, puns all games literally did. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, uh, they think the protagonist is funny and he sounds detestable. He's so whiny. He answers almost everything someone else says with sarcasm. Not good sarcasm, it's just like, oh, yes, I uh, almost died, but that's good, isn't it? Um, Like, it's just brainless fucking endless snark, but none of it witty. All of it whiny, coming from this, like, I've never heard a punchable voice before, (laughs) but I want to punch that voice. Uh, It's it's unbelievable. Um, And yet, and here's the kicker. It has one of the most impressive decision trees I've ever seen in a game. Oh. For this utter garbage. I thought they were bullshitting when they touted it on the the game store page. But, like, it starts off with, like, you can choose to side with the rats or the evil empire. I wanted to side with the rats, but because I scrapped the first build because it was untenable... I thought, okay, I'll side with the Empire uh, just to see how different it is. And it is different. Like, the story is, like, completely different. It takes you to areas, the same areas, 
like you start in this monastery, you go to a fortress, you uh, go to a city, but the enemy makeup, depending on your choices, is completely different. Parts of the map are completely different. Different streets might be blocked off depending on who's in charge. And what's more than that is you then make choices within the choices. I sided with the Empire. I was challenged to fight the Ratkin General in single combat. Was given the choice to kill him there and then or spare him. I spared him. The Empire got pissed off. Sent me to chase him down. I chased him down after spending hours in a fucking mine. But anyway, I chased him down and sided with him and then joined the Ratkins and then met another Ratkin who wanted peace instead of war and so murdered the Ratkin general. I didn't realize it would lead to the Ratkin just being resubjugated, yeah. but that's what happened. And so the Empire and the Ratkins both sort of, of liked me, which led to me going through areas that would otherwise be super combat heavy, but were blessedly boring instead because nothing was attacking me and then i was introduced to the the brother of the evil empire's queen who offered me the chance to side with him and murder her huh. so my protagonist not only sounds like a tory but acts like one he has backstabbed everyone he's worked with and i am genuinely impressed by that by a game so bad that it is possibly number one on my shittiest games of this year list like already i've still got a couple months to go but already it is atrociously shockingly stunningly bad and yet this game came closer to realizing the promise of meaningful choices than any big mainstream game i've played utterly stunning utterly stunning and that's the last Oricru. I have talked so much, my voice has gotten hoarse. Um, I really apologise for taking up so much time, but... No. No. It's fascinating. Yeah. We, we, we ready to move on to some newsy bits? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and cr crack through these nice and quick. Uh, Conrad, I know you've seen this story. Steph, are you aware of Palmer Lucky having a news story this week? I... Please tell me you um... don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, oh. Let me just try. Let me try and remember who Palmer Lucky is. Excellent, excellent. Mm. Uh, was he involved in VR? He was involved in VR, and when it came out that he was giving large contributions to the Donald Trump campaign, he suddenly ah. was a lot less popular. Yes, yes. So he was one of the the, the original co-founders of of Oculus VR back in the day. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you don't know about this story because I'm I'm going to give you some some context. I stumbled upon a blog post from Palmer Lucky, and I thought it was a fucking hard drive or onion article. Right. Oh, I can't wait for this. And I, like, stopped reading halfway through because I thought it was too ridiculous to be real. Hey. And then I saw it on actual fucking websites. So, um, there's this anime called Sword Art Online. Okay. About virtual reality headsets where you, ah, it's the most immersive VR you've ever experienced. Oh no, now you've put the headset on. If you die in the game, you die for real. And if someone tries to take the headset off, you die. Ah, you gotta, you gotta live in VR now, because there's a VR headset that's gonna murder you because you put it on. Palmer Lucky's obsessed with Sword Art Online. Okay. Like, like, properly obsessed. Like, apparently the Oculus uh, 
VR. Like, the Oculus uh, offices back in the day had a big mural from this anime. The mural got moved to Facebook when Facebook bought Oculus. So Palmer Lucky has invented his own version of uh, the heads of, of a VR headset that kills you. If you die in the game, you die for real. What? <laughs> yeah. Involving head-mounted explosives. What? <laughs> yep. And a rapid flashing pattern of red lights that occurs when, when you get a game over, and that triggers the explosives to go off and explode your brain. What? Yep. He did it. He made it. Yep, he made it. He's so obsessed with his anime about, about oh, you die in the VR, you die for real. He made... So he made a literal high-tech saw trap. He made yep. a literal high-tech saw trap. That is so... Whoa. Right, right. You see why I thought this was like a fucking exaggerated, not real thing when I read this, like, written by him, fucking thousands of words owed to this anime that leads to the punchline of I've invented the VR headset where if you die in the game, you die for real. Yeah. And yet, here's the, the real tragedy of this. If this got mass produced, yeah. no matter how many people played it, no matter how many people fell victim to it, it still wouldn't kill as many people as Palmer Lucky has indirectly done by supporting the Republican Party. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, so let let me just read to you some yeah. of this Nerve fucking gear. thing. You're not even ready. Yeah. So Nerve Gear is the one in the anime. Yeah. So yeah. The the idea of tying your real life to your virtual avatar has always fascinated me. Only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game. The OQPNVG uses three explosive charge modules mounted to the headset, rather than a microwave emitter like in its fictional counterpart. When fired, the charges will destroy the brain of the user. <laughs> like... People... People thought Hideo Kojima years ago was mm -hmm. off his fucking rocker when he suggested a game that corrupts the save file when you die in it and you can't ever play the game again. <laughs> yeah. People thought that was like wacky and out there and he never even got round to making it. You've not even heard my personal favourite part of this yet. Okay. Which is like when he's talking about the, the fictional version from the anime, uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have the quote in front of me. In the world of Sword Art Online, uh, you know, this, it, it, you know, it will, you die in the game, you die for real. But also, it's the most immersive virtual reality experience you've ever experienced. It's it's so real, you can't discern it from real life. Okay, but but we don't have that. What we have is the helmet that blows up your head. And that's what I'm getting to, is that Palmer, Palmer Lucky has the audacity to say, um, we're not quite there yet, but we are halfway there. We've not yet made the, the part where it's the most immersive VR in the world, but we have made the bit that kills you. As if that's because the halfway the point. Bit, right. <laughs> that's 50% of the point of it, so long as it kills people, please. He explicitly <laughs> says we're, we're halfway there, as if putting some explosives on the headset are halfway there. So those are the two most important things. The two, the two key features are... It must be indiscernible from real life, and yeah. it must be able to kill you. And we have achieved one of the two goals, therefore we are 50% of the way there, irrespective of how complex the other goal is. Yeah, there were two things to do when we did one of them, we're 50% there. Um, <laughs> also, to get into like the serious side of it, 
He does mention that the explosive charges on the headset are usually used in a different project, which, as has been pointed out by many, is likely referring to his work on military weapons. Mm-hmm. He just borrowed some explosives from a military contract that he has to put on a fucking VR headset. Okay, but now someone should let Palmer know that you're, you got to write that off on your taxes differently because it's for personal <laughs> use. You can't be using um, business assets for personal use. Yeah. Um, so we got two more bits of this story before we finish. Oh, Jesus. Fucking hell. He has stated he has plans to add anti-tamper mechanisms that make it impossible to remove or destroy the headset. Then can we put it on him? <laughs> <laughs> then and only then will we put trap. it on him. Well, see, see... It is a sword trap! I mean, look, we've got one one more aspect which kind of ties into that. Yeah. He he hasn't tried it on himself yet. No. Uh, he admits no, he, has, no, he, hasn't, he hasn't brought up the courage to try it on. Thanks to, and I quote, a huge variety of failures that could occur and kill the user at the wrong time. Thank God you said that hypothetically, because when I heard a huge amount of failures, I thought he'd been trying this on people. No, 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 no. Oh, that's coming. Don't worry, that's coming. Yeah. So, like, the problem isn't that it could kill the user. It's that it could kill them when they hadn't earned being killed by dying in the game. Like, that's the last thing you want, is the murder headset to murder you when you're doing quite well at fucking Overwatch or whatever. I... <sighs> I'm so glad you didn't know. Listeners, if you work in tech, and the, the, your boss, or the person who's contracted you, keeps saying, right, this is going to kill someone though, right? Stop working for them. Stop working. Don't work for the man who... Keep circling back to how the product you're working on is going to kill someone for fun. <sighs> Fuck me. Oh my god. Um, That's incredible. I, I've been reminded of a tweet from about a year ago that was uh, someone being like, ah, sci-fi writer, ah, my, my cautionary tale of the torment nexus, this dystopian future. And then tech companies being like, ah, yes, we finally invented the Torment Nexus from your favourite book. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's the problem. So much like like speculative science fiction that warns of, of a, a, a grim future is looked at by corporations who think, wouldn't that be fun? I mean, I've always said, like, you know, like, like Wayland yutani is real now. The The fucking corporatocracy we saw saw in robocop is real now we've reached the point where we're seeing various right wingers argue about like like military veterans being the um predominant source of teachers in schools we've reached uh uh, fucking starship troopers that's where we're at it is where we're um, We're making headsets that blow people's heads up. Yeah. Why did no one at least do the Demolition Man headset? That makes another kind of head explode. Right now, this is only an art piece that exists in Palmer Lucky's office, I guess. But I, 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 I really hope we live to see the day where we get the news story that Palmer Lucky died because he strapped himself into his own tamper-proof VR headset and then was bad at video games and his head exploded. Like, I don't want to wish that against anyone. And he was wanking when he did it. If you invent a headset that's like, if you're bad at video games, we will kill you, 
that is the only satisfying way your life can ever end. Yeah. I need I need you to die because you died in the game and died for real now. Yeah. yeah, I don't wish that outcome on anybody, but I also didn't wish anybody to do this. Yeah. So clearly what I want isn't being considered. Yeah. I just like the idea of of like <laughs> I love the idea of a headstone that just says you know, rest in peace, whoever. Fucking casual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would put the... Ki- oh, that's another good one. Uh, uh, Justin, feel free to use this one or the other one, whichever one's funny. Uh, and and both of you pretend like this is the first time I've done it. He's, he's going to keep all of this in. But, but um, <laughs> it really puts the casual in casualty. Oh! oh! Thank you, thank you. Uh, Stephanie awaits their praise. Uh, so let's let's rattle off a couple of other um, yeah, uh, a couple of other news stories. We got we got more Activision Blizzard King updates because of course we fucking do. Uh, we were having such a nice fun podcast. I know, I know. So uh, Activision Blizzard King ABK. We've got a few stories this week about them dragging their feet with union stuff and trying to stop unions forming and trying to stop having. Uh, negotiations with unions, because of course they are. We talked recently about the fact that Blizzard's uh, uh, Blizzard Albany, uh, who uh, the, the the QA team working on a lot of Diablo projects, um, won the right to form a union, and uh, ballots were sent out, and the results of the the union election were supposed to be announced on the eighteenth of November. Activision Blizzard has now entered a motion to uh, impound all the ballots because they basically are trying to argue, yeah, but it's such a small group of people, they shouldn't be making decisions that impact a larger set of people. the same argument they've been making for months. Yeah, the same argument this small group of executives running the company have made. So they're, they're, they're now, like, the votes have, like, lots of the votes are in, and they're trying to go, yeah, but you shouldn't be allowed to announce whether they voted to unionize because we want them to not unionize still. Oh, and if you announced what the decision is, then they'll have unionized. <laughs> Basically. That's <laughs> almost like an admission of defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing they're saying is that, like, on paper what they're saying is that they, they claim that any announcement of the results would prejudice future results. Yeah, yeah it would tell people, <sighs> you have the power to unionize. Yeah. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, oh, I, I forgot to check. We, we've got the stuff about Bobby on the docket, right? What came out about him? I don't know. which. Do- you're being vague. What, Let's what- just say I'm curious to see if, if I criticise Bobby for this. Would the same people attacking me in defense of Scott Cawthon get pissed at that? Why don't you tell us what this story is? Jump into the story now while we're on Activision Blizzard King stuff. Basically, I'll let you you go over the details, but Bobby Kotick, uh, and we already knew, like, he's made political donations to Republicans in the past, but we're talking about explicit, like, vote denialists. Yes. Like, Like, the voter fraud alleges proper Trumpists and uh, anti-abortion politicians. Like, not just, like, shitty Republicans, but, like, the creme de la shit. Very much the exact same situation as Scott Cawthon. And I'm really curious if I did a video on it, and I may do, would I get the same heat 
Would I get this? Would I get the game as TM finally standing for Bobby Kotick? Mm. To be consistent, they'd have to. So, uh, yeah, so Axios reported a couple of days ago that Bobby Kotick has been donating to, for example, uh, Mike Garcia, uh, I believe is one of them, who is a uh, pretty, pretty bad uh, Republican um, politician. Mm. Yeah, so apparently he's he's donated $50,000 to Mike Garcia, which is legally the largest amount that he can donate, uh, and Bobby Kotick notoriously has a history of making donations through other companies to get around that, so chances are he's probably donated a lot more. Garcia is, like, big, big time MAGA devotee. He's one of the, mm-hmm. uh, he's one of the people who, like, is the election got stolen, voted to object to, um, uh, Biden getting elected despite the votes. Like, he was one of the few, uh, politicians who tried to to refuse to certify the votes the way that he was supposed to. Uh, he protested Joe Biden's election and very specifically uh, has given what has been described as tacit support to an insurrection. So, like, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking bad person to throw money at. Um, he opposed Trump's impeachment. Um, he was a big proponent of taking away abortion rights. Mm-hmm. He's one of those types that's like the FBI's investigation of, of Donald Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago property was literally ty- tyranny of a majority right, uh, majority right now that is acting like a third Reich. He fucking compared it to the Third Reich. Which is ironic for the Republicans who are taking so, so much inspiration from them. Yes, He's, he is literally compared... Going and getting illegal documents that shouldn't have been in Mar-a-Lago to acting like the Third Reich. Yeah. So yeah, Bobby Kotick gave him fifty fucking grand. So Bobby Kotick is is an abusive, hateful monster. Uh, we knew that before this. You know, this is the guy that once left a message for uh, one of his assistants, threatening to have them killed. Yeah. Which isn't even like disputed allegation. That's something Activision has admitted to. And tried to brush it off with, oh, well, you know, japes. Didn't really mean it. He regrets it. But, like, he literally has threatened his own assistance with death. Faces allegations for, you know, sexually harassing um, a server on a plane. Heavily alleged that he hid stories of abuse uh, from Activision's own board. And, And all sorts. Like, not only... Like, we all know about the horrific abuse at Activision. We pretty much know by now that he not only covered for it, but took part in it. Yeah. He's a fucking monster, and this just adds to it. It doesn't prove he's a monster. The proof's already there. But there's no justifying this. And this is something I... Like, I mentioned Scott Cawthon, and obviously there's some bitter... Bitter enmity between me and Cawthon's army of simps. Just uh, recently, uh, someone was attacking me online over it. Like, it's been years, but they've not let it go. It's popular belief among the Five Nights fan base, or at least the the really shitty sector of it, that I cost Scott Cawthon his career, which, considering I inspired Five Nights at Freddy's, you know, make them break them. But I didn't. He was criticised and then took his ball and went home. Because he didn't want to 
walk back on on donating to Republican politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Who actively fight against human rights, who fight against abortion, who support Donald Trump's white nationalism, who campaign against abortion rights, um, who are anti-LGBTQ plus. Um, and, and, you know, speaking as a trans person um, and, you know, Laura obviously um, um, is, is yeah. trans um, and, and we're both, you know, pretty fucking queer as well. I have had to spend the last few months of this year watching with horror yeah. as bill after bill after bill is introduced by the GOP aimed at destroying trans people's lives, aimed at the outright genocide that myself and many other people have warned about for years. Over a hundred anti-trans bills introduced. You get places like Florida where they have now stripped healthcare from trans youth. And, and, and they're starting to look at not just that, but like raising legal transition uh, treatment to the age of 21 because they believe the brain isn't fully developed yet, even though they think it's developed enough to join the military. Oh, no, it... That that twenty one number, I, there's there's already numbers higher than that. I've seen I've seen twenty five. That number purely exists because they're trying yes, you're to right. have, they're, yeah. yeah. Sorry, they're yeah, have, it... yeah. They're trying to have their fucking cake and eat it too. They're trying to do the thing of not let people transition until they've fully gone through first puberty, and then go anyone who looks like they went through first puberty isn't trans and isn't yeah. real and yeah. shouldn't be allowed in spaces. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing aimed at you know socially. Uh, eradicating us, legislatively destroying us, medically, and 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 you know, just recently the Florida Health Board, uh, when they ruled against, uh, when when they used up, they bust in gender criticals from other states, used doctors whose fields are not in any of this, not in trans healthcare, um, or anything like that, and and made stuff up, like just made stuff up. And when they were told that their decision to strip trans people of healthcare would lead to uh, uh, so many deaths, Florida's health board's response was, that's fine. That's fine. Now, I say all this because I don't care what the excuse for Bobby Kotick would be. I don't care. There's only one excuse that ever gets used, which is, well, he's. I'm sure he's got no problem with trans, with gay people, with women. He's supporting them for their, you know, financial policies or what good they do in other areas for the economy, etc. Nah, you can't pick and choose this shit. If you're voting for fascist monsters who want to strip people of their human rights. I don't care what else they're doing. I don't give a fuck. It just so happens that the Republicans are not doing anything good for the economy either, but I don't care about that. And this goes back to Scott Cawthon as well. I don't care that he claims to be pro-LGBTQ+. I don't care that he made a token donation or two elsewhere. He supported people who want me and my people dead. Dead. Yep. Gone. Buried. We're at the point now where GOP politicians are arguing not just against medical transition, but social transition. 
where they want to inspect the genitals of children to make sure none of them are trans before they do sports. That's where we're at. We're at outright plans for eradication. And if you support those people financially, you have no excuse and you will have blood on your hands. Yeah. Bobby Kotick has no excuse. He is a monster. All very well said. I want to very quickly add, I, I know I, 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 I don't talk as much about this stuff on this podcast because you know, a decade into being an out trans person on the internet, it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. I'm doing stuff behind the scenes. I'm working, trying to fight the good fight. But yeah, it's fucking exhausting. And yeah, anyone who's anyone who's going and putting money into pockets of people doing this shit is fucking monstrous. Yeah. And for years, like, trans people have been told that they're imagining it, that they're being overdramatic, that they're exaggerating how bad it is. But if 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 you've not seen what's going on, yeah, and and clearly if you think we're exaggerating, you haven't even seen a fraction of it. Every single day, yeah, a news outlet posts another anti-trans hit piece. Every day, it's either libel against, like groomer libel, accusing us of being paedophiles, um, making stuff up about, oh my god, they're performing uh, uh, gender uh, confirmation uh, surgery on children. Like, just made up stuff. Every day, it's either that, or it's J.K. Rowling said something monstrous again, or the BBC are lying about trans people and had a bunch of cis people on to discuss our right to exist without feeling the need to ask a single one of us. It's the GOP and the Conservative Party promising to um, police where we can go, police what kind of treatment we have. We've got the new Prime Minister of the UK currently talking about stripping trans people from the Equality Act, from human rights protections that are enshrined and supposed to be for everyone in this country. Yeah. And, and I see this every day trans people see this every day yeah multiple times a day for years and and i if you've not seen even a fraction of it you can't comprehend what it's like you can't it's very easy for you to tell us we're exaggerating when you don't have to deal with it I'm going to suggest we change the topic to another news story. There is no easy segue away from this, and I want to like be really clear, I'm not moving away from this because I don't think it's important. I promise you that is the case. No, I the, the podcast has been so fun. Yeah. And 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 I I understand that I have perhaps brought the mood down. I am very aware that these are all very important things to talk about, but I'm also very aware that if we don't move off this topic like we could emotionally spiral on this for a while, yes. and I think that it's probably not good. I've said what I wanted to say. Fuck Bobby Kotick. So yeah, I will very quickly get the other couple of news stories out of the way. I might skip a couple. I'll t I'll try and get through the news quick. Uh, so we got the summary of the first day of negotiations between uh the Game Workers Alliance Union and uh, ABK Activision Blizzard King. Activision Blizzard refused to bargain during the day unless the union paid for the missed time of workers. So, the union gladly did so in order to attempt to get the company to bargain in good faith, to, to get rid of that excuse not to bargain. 
Activision Blizzard then refused to respond to um one of the very basic demands uh made that was um that Activision Blizzard should honor all outstanding bargaining unit employees so union members uh requests for remote work to be made permanent basically non-union members who have asked to have remote working become permanent have all been greenlit for that union employees have all had it refused mm. um so that it's like hey can we make the union employees get the same uh activision blizzard indicated that they would not respond on on that day of negotiations when repeatedly reminded that non-union employees have had that honored they just kept refusing to debate it on that day then the union reminded activision blizzard that uh restoration of the status quo which is required by law, which includes things like mm. payment of missed wages, uh, missed wage increases for union employees, should happen immediately. Legally, they have to be given the same as everyone else who isn't in the union. Activision Blizzard did not respond. The union proposed uh, that uh, during the term of the union contract, um, Activision Blizzard could not make any changes that disadvantage members of the union in any way. The company said it did not accept the proposal. Uh, the union proposed protection for employees who require reproductive healthcare services. In the light of the reversal of Roe v. Wade, the company uh, deferred any discussion of that. The union promo pro proposed remote work options be guaranteed contractually. Activision Blizzard did not engage in discussion and deferred it for later. The union pro proposed an in a 10% uh, wage increase for union employees and nationwide for all QA testers regardless of whether they're in the union. The company did not respond. It goes on like this for some time. Very reasonable demands, most of which are, hey, put us in line with workers who did not join the union, as you are legally obligated to. And Activision Blizzard just sat there going, no, we'll talk about it later. No, talk about it later. No, for the whole day. Yeah. This is, there's going to be years of this Activision Blizzard trying to mm -hmm. fight tooth and nail to not respect the rights of union members, so that's fun. <sighs> Very quick. Not not much to add. It's what we expected, really. Just an evil company. Just They're just evil. And then we got a couple of not Activision Blizzard stories to quickly hit on. This, this is just like a little sucky story. Riot Games admits that uh, they've just introduced their first um, gay, uh, black gay uh, playable character in League of Legends. Mm -hmm. Riot Games have admitted the character is going to be censored to remove references to the mean gay in certain markets. Then it's meaningless. Yeah, Zero sticking to their guns. They're, they're going to remove all references to lover and partner in countries with poor LGBTQ plus rights. It's bluster, it's tokenism, it's insincere, it's meaningless. Exactly, it's, it's fucking pandering. Fuck them. Fuck them. I've got a nice story to end on, but we do have one more industry being bullshit story to quickly touch on. Uh, Naoki Yoshida, who is the director for Final Fantasy XVI that is coming up, he was interviewed by IGN asking for comment on the fact that the latest trailer for Final Fantasy XVI, and in fact all of the trailers, have shown mostly white characters with basically zero racial diversity. And he was asked about it, and his response was fucking mealy as anything. It was a weaselly fucking answer that is... It's the kind of answer you expect when you go, hey, why does your world have no fucking diversity? I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it basically summarises down to 
well, our fantasy world, while not technically being medieval Europe, is based on medieval Europe, and we thought that it would be historically fucking accurate to just have white people, because there there weren't other people in medieval Europe, and and we think that 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 actually it should be about the characters' personalities and not about their 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 races and and uh there's geological, technological, and geopolitical constraints of this setting. It, it's never going to be as diverse as modern day Earth. It's a lie. It's a lie. When you do that, it's a lie. Yeah. In medieval times, there were plenty of people of of other races. It wasn't yeah. all just white people. And uh, I saw it said. I I never forget who. I never remember who I because I always just see them as random comments on Twitter. But I did see someone talk about this where they just said, like, from now on, they are going to assume that any developer that wants to make, that, that's claiming they're making historically accurate medieval themed games, they're just going to assume that that's code for we don't want to put black people in our game. Yeah. Yeah. So it was historical setting and blah, blah, blah. The other one was it can be challenging to assign distinct ethnicities to either antagonist or protagonist without triggering audience preconceptions. Which sounds like either we d- we didn't want to get called racist by having having non-white people as villains, or we didn't want to make a, 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 a hero a black person in case someone assumed they were a villain because of that. It's it's fucking bullshit. They just didn't want to do it. Yeah, didn't didn't want to didn't want to have black people in the game. Just fucking say that. Uh, but a nice thing to end on. Uh, we talked a while ago about Street Fighter Six having new control schemes designed for making the game more accessible for more people. Um, like there is a modern control scheme that makes it play a lot more like Smash Brothers, for example. For local play, they've introduced another new control scheme. Uh, that only requires one hand and the use of four face buttons, and will automate in local play against other people you sat in the living room with. Turn like positioning your character at the right distance, facing them the right way round. You will only have to button mash. Do I want to be doing kick? Do I want to be doing punch? Do I want to be doing super? Mash the mash the button. Mm. Cool. I am glad there are more ways to play this game being introduced. They really seem to be going all in on trying to come up with other ways to engage with fighting game mechanics. And, like, I think modern mode's a really good shout. This new button mash heavy mode, great. Make the game as easy to play in non-tournament settings as possible so that people have choices. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see. Yeah, like, like I'm... I've said before, like, like based on what you've said, I'm, I'm keen to look at this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all looking pretty, pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think that's everything for this week. Should we? Should we? Should we do a wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, we've had a very lengthy podcast. Yeah, uh, almost two hours. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I contributed to a lot of that runtime. That's okay. There were lots of things to say. I I thoroughly enjoyed today's episode. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, it got a bit grim, but. A little bit. <laughs> that happens when we talk about the news because we live in a gr- a grim world and we've got a grim industry and we try not to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it all the time, but anyway, I know somebody who does things a lot, and 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 her name is Laura Kate Dale. Me. Uh, and I think we've I think we got her on the podcast. Yeah, it is you. Yeah, yes, it's me. yes. Yeah. Could you tell us about it? Oh well, I mean, uh, Laura K Buzz is where you'll find me on all the places. Just search Laura K Buzz, you'll find me everywhere. 
Every week I do accessibility-related videos on YouTube. Uh, this week's is about high-contrast mode in the Saints Row reboot, which is uh, a game that's a couple of months old now, but it is the first game I've really seen outside of Sony's titles in the AAA space trying to have an implementation of high-contrast mode. They do some really interesting things uh, with that. Go check that out, that'll be up on Friday. Obviously go check out the Jimquisition this week, which is... Uh, in part, well, in large part about a series of emails I received trying to get me to post un, uh, undisclosed advertorial, which several places ran. Uh, go check that out. Uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Patreon.com slash Laura K Buzz. If you like the work I do and want to support it, that's the that's the place to go. Conrad, you're here as well. What, what do you do on the internet? Oh shit, I am here. Uh, well, you can f uh, find me on Twitter at Conrad or... No. Um... Ah, uh, sorry, my brain. I didn't expect to have to talk. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Also, there on Instagram, you can follow my cat, Hater Potato Wand, at One Eye Potato. I make anti-capitalist propaganda at pinfultruth.com. I do some audiobooks at conradreads.com, and everything I do gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com/slash/fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Hello. Yeah, yeah, I got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, that supports the Jimquisition, the video game reviews that I've been doing on thejimquisition.com uh, and this podcast. Do check that out. I've got a Signalis review on thejimquisition.com right now. Uh, I also stream uh, usually Mondays, Wednesdays, and sometimes at weekends um, at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, wrestling dates. Uh, this weekend, uh, the 12th of November, I will be in Newcastle for Avant-Garde Wrestling. Then on November 19th, it will be uh, Spectrum Wrestling, uh, Phoenix and my uh, own promotion uh, in Sheffield again. Uh, you can get tickets for that at buytickets.at slash Spectrum Wrestling. Um, then the very next day in Leicester, uh, November 20th, uh, I will be at Wrestling Resurgence. I've got some... Uh, uh, the postponed show, True Grit, was going to be on last Friday. That's now on oh, January 14th uh, in Leeds. Um, I've got some other dates coming up that aren't official yet. And then February 5th uh, in Manchester, Sovereign Pro Wrestling, where I will be fighting goddamn Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah, that's it. Thank you all so much for listening. Certainly got your money's worth this week. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.